TSR Podcast with Jacob and Bo. This guy has been an NFL writer for 11 years and is the author of Home Run on Wheels. Mr. Ron Clements, how are you doing today, man? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm super stoked to have you on here, man. I, you were one of the first people that I was thinking about when I knew I wanted to bring people onto the show this season. So I'm really excited to have you on here. Bo, of course, it's always good to have you on here What's as well. What's going on? So guys, something big just happened in the Houston Texans organization. The Houston Texans have fired general manager and head coach Bill O'Brien. I don't know about you, Ron, but Bo and myself were about to start a free Deshaun Watson petition. <laughs> me, me and Bo were not Change.org. Deshaun yeah, Watson slash Deshaun. <laughs> we're not fans of Bill O'Brien whatsoever. So so how do you stand with this move, Ron? I mean, and you know, were you a fan of this guy as a coach for the Texans? This was going to be his last year, unless if they made the playoffs. And that own for, for a start obviously did not uh, did not help. Things were not going the right way. Um, I liked O'Brien when he was at Penn State. They they gave him a lot of rope there at uh, in Houston, and I'm kind of stunned he lasted as long as he did, given yeah. the internal problems they had with that organization centered around uh, O'Brien's, uh, I guess. Bruxness is how he dealt with other people. Um, you know, you, you've heard a lot of stories about how he would just curse people out. I don't. He went I think, about things in a weird I, way. For sure, I think he's a good coach, but I, he probably has to just develop people skills better. And yeah, he's not and, a politician. That's for and, sure. And, and, and you can be a, a a good football coach, but not a good player manager. And, yeah, and, and I exactly. think that. That was his problem. He, he couldn't get his players to respond to him. And uh, the move still kind of surprised me, though, because I did not expect Bill O'Brien to be the first head coach fired this season. I thought it would be uh, um, Adam Gase or Matt oh, Patricia God. or Dan Quinn, the way things are going with the Falcons. So, yeah, that one kind of stunned me a bit. So when you say it like that, it does stun me, too, because I – Bo can tell you right now, I am I – am, so adamant that Adam Gase get as far away from New York yeah. as possible. That is Dude, something Tom, that has got to happen. Tom Pellicero tweeted a few hours after the firing that one of the top guys on the Texans tar- uh, list is going to be Adam Gase. If he I did not see that. Jets, it's just I'm horrible. Like, how? Why? Why are these organizations here's, such dumpster fires? I don't understand. Here's the thing about Adam Gase. He became a you know a, a big name, right? You know, the, the the hot young coaching name, right? When he was in Denver as the offensive coordinator. Yeah. Everybody knew, like, like it was a common it was common knowledge that Peyton Manning was the de facto offensive coordinator <laughs> of that team that dominated the league in 2014 and then won the Super Bowl in 2015. Peyton Manning was the guy who ran that offense. Adam Gase was the offensive coordinator just by name, basically. How does that guy parlay that with a subpar coaching job in Chicago to a head coaching gig in Miami, get fired from there, and then go to New York where he's arguably the worst coach the Jets have ever had, and they had rich freaking co-type? Exactly. Exactly. So I don't understand. Okay, you're saying – I didn't even know that they said that Adam Gates would be one of their top people for the job. But what is it about this guy? I don't understand. I don't know if it's people still thinking, oh, well, you know, he kind of did well in Denver, even though it really wasn't him. Like you just said, the guy was, you know, coaching Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning pretty much is the coach himself, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not that hard to coach Peyton Manning. It's yeah. just not. 
It's just rolling out. So I don't understand. This guy is seen as a, a quarterback guru, right? When they brought him into New York, they were like, oh, we're going to get Sam Darnold somebody that can help Sam Darnold take the next step. And it has done nothing. It's done nothing. I don't understand. I don't know what people think. And I, I'm going to say this. Deshaun Watson is more talented than Sam Darnold. At least I think. I think it's it's a pretty big gap in difference there. But I don't think Adam Gase is going to do anything good for the You know, you keep Texas. talking about Deshaun. You're going to piss off Chicago Bears fans who know they took Mitch Trubisky instead of Watson oh. or Mahomes. <laughs> I, I could go on that for hours. I could go on that whole thing for hours. That, that that is that is one of the worst screw ups in draft history. I I, I was at Trubisky's pro day and he was okay, but in his college career he had one season. To, but anyway, Thir- sorry, thirteen I, games, like not even like is this is not many games as a starter. And I, I'm a big Tar Heel fan. It, it, it really, I'm, don't get me wrong, I was excited when Trubisky got got picked second. You know, just being a Tar Heel, but I was definitely worried about him. I mean, like you well, said, and here's the no thing experience. about that: the Niners weren't going to take him. I think Bears fans should not be pissed that their team drafted Trubisky, but that they gave up, what, three, four draft picks to move up one spot to take a guy the team in front of them wasn't even going to pick. Yeah, it's awful. It was awful. It was one of the worst draft moves ever. It's got to be top five. It has got to be top five. So I don't understand. You've got Bill O'Brien. He's just gotten fired, right? And then you, now you're saying I'm just still stuck on Ron. You've completely screwed me up. Just the I fact know, that sorry. you have brought that you have brought Adam Gase in as one of the top guys. That is completely just thrown everything. Like I, I don't. Tom, Tom Pelissero tweeted that out um, on Monday evening. I cannot don't, believe that. And don't you think that that I mean Gase kind of has some of the same problems that O'Brien has, where he doesn't relate to the players as well. Like you know and what so, I mean? It, it uh, he doesn't seem like they like him in New in New York. Now this isn't going to be a thing with O'Brien or Gase because they have had head coaching experience previously. But I was in St. Louis covering the Rams when Steve Spagnuolo got hired, and Spagnuolo, you see, with the Chiefs, he's a hell of a defensive coordinator. I will never say anything bad about Steve Spagnuolo because I got to know the guy. I got to know his wife. They are super, super nice people. I love Spags. But inside that building, he wanted to control everything. <laughs> um, he fired janitors if he didn't think they were doing their, you know, the, the head coach of a football team firing a janitor at the team facility, you know. So Spags just, he thought he, he, he was the head coach and he thought he had to control everything inside the building. And he didn't. He did not need to do that. And I think when you're when you don't have a lot of experience as a head coach, I think I think you, you can kind of fall into that trap. Uh, O'Brien was a first time NFL head coach, but he was at Penn State already as, as a head coach. So I don't I'm, I'm not sure if that's an issue with O'Brien or, or Gase. I know O'Brien was a control freak, though. And and uh, you, you can't be like that. Uh, no, you can't. It, when, when Mike Holmgren wanted to be the GM and head coach of the Packers, and then that didn't work out, and then the Seahawks gave him that. And, yeah, he took the Seahawks to the Super Bowl, but he got burnt out so quickly right after the Seahawks go to the Super Bowl because it's just so much responsibility, so much work trying to put your fingers in, in every hole in the dam. Just be the head coach. I mean, Bill, it's got it's got to go to Bill your head being the, had GM, that, being the head coach. Bill Parcells had that great quote, you know, that they want you to cook the meal, but they won't let you buy the groceries. And the head coach should absolutely be consulted when it comes to player personnel, but let another guy run point on that. 
I agree with that. I completely agree with that. You know, when it comes to Bill O'Brien, and I know this is what he got a lot of, this, this put a lot of bad stuff on his name when he did this, but things I think were starting to get out of hand for Bill O'Brien as the GM and the head coach for the Texans. I mean, Bill O'Brien single-handedly made Deshaun Watson's life harder this year after making one of the worst trades I've ever seen. Uh, One of the worst trades I've ever seen. You do not get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. No, you don't. You don't do that, especially when you have a young, talented, Super Bowl-caliber quarterback that that is his favorite target. And you get – and I I, I ranted about it, Ron, on the last last week's show, talking about, yeah, they traded for David Johnson. Well, that would have been great three years ago. Right. <laughs> you know, David Johnson isn't the same anymore. It's it's not the same. It wasn't good. Obviously, defensive coordinator Romeo Cornell is now going to serve as the team's interim head coach for the remainder mm-hmm. of the season. Um, I just can't. They again, don't have a first Ron, or second round pick next year. I don't think in the draft, do they? No, they don't. Yeah, they I mean, it's just nothing to look forward to. <laughs> it's nothing to look forward to. The offensive line still needs help. Yeah, me and Bo both said on the last week's show, Ron, that they have a group of wide receiver twos. For Deshaun Watson to throw to, right? You know, some there's, could, there's no guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's no guy that's gonna 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 make a spectacular play consistently, like yeah. like DeAndre Hopkins could. You know, you got there's, Brandon. There's Cooks, no you got splash Wolf. in the offense yeah. right now. Yeah, Kiki QT, right? Yeah. Darren Phillips. Okay, yeah, he's a solid middle tier tight end in the NFL. You know what I mean? And then they have David Johnson, who after the first week of this season, defensive coordinators pretty much figured out how to defend him. He's, and now he's that's not how- outrunning anybody anymore. I mean, he's not turning and turning and burning on guys. You know what I mean? It's it's um it's really, really bad. I, I, I was so happy when I saw that they had fired him. Now, I'm gonna tell you right now, it is going to it, it's not gonna be a change in success if they bring in Adam Gase. I will be the first one to say it. Adam Gates is not problem. the guy that to, for, to come in and do and, and help the Texans. That is not him. At least I don't think. I don't think there's any chance that that, that is going to help at all. Well, we know one thing for certain. In 2021, Eric Bieniemy is going to be a head coach in the NFL. Well, he absolutely. 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 Be, it should be. And should be. Probably should have been this year. The, the Texans should be considering, should be looking into that heavy. They'd be a great pair. Eric Bieniemy, I mean, 100% will be a head coach in 2021. Ron, let me ask you this. Is there a place you would like to see Enemy land? Is there a certain place you'd be like, man, like I'd love to see this guy coach there? Houston. I mean, you know, yeah. and, uh, what he could do with a guy like Deshaun Watson, because Watson and Mahomes have similar place uh, skill sets. And I, I, I think if the Texans, now the Texans are going to have some competition from the Jets and the Falcons and, and any other team and the Lions and, and, and any other team that might have a head coaching opening. But, you know, you look at Deshaun Watson compared to Matthew Stafford, who is more of a Dan Marino, stay in the pocket type, you know, statue quarterback, right? You know, will make a play with his legs every once in a while. But Sam Darnold is kind of is younger, obviously, but cutting that same mold as the prototypical pocket passer. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is the other team I mentioned? Oh, the Falcons. Yeah, Matt Ryan is going to be, you know, 73 years old next year. So, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but. If you're looking for a quarterback similar to what he has right now in Patrick Mahomes, it's Deshaun Watson. And I think if the Texans can keep him from those other teams, it would be a slam dunk hire for the Texans to get Eric Bieniemy next year. It would be awesome. It would be awesome. And that's a really good point. I didn't even think about when you're talking about the skill sets of, of what he's been used to 
and what he could go to with, you know, going from Patrick Mahomes to Sean Watson. That's a really, really good point. Now, I have another question for both of you guys. And to be honest with you, Ron, this topic is in large part due to the poll that you put out on Twitter Sunday um, when you asked whether or not Matt Patricia would make it through the season as head coach. Now, in that poll, I went back and I looked at it. 15% said, yes, he would finish the season as the head coach. 85% said, no, he would not. Um, now, Ron, I said on last week's show, Patricia would be a great defensive coordinator somewhere, just not a head coach. Yeah, That's what I think. Um, what do you think, Ron? Are, are you saying, do you think that you do not see him making it through the year? If you if you ask me, I don't think he should, but I want to see what you have to say about it. I don't think he will, um, especially if the Lions drop another couple games here in, in the next few weeks. And and you you made a very good point about guys who are good coordinators but not great head coaches. I think, you know, I'll, I'll refer back to Steve Spagnuolo. I think uh, Brian Schottenheimer as an offensive guy fits that that description. And and I, I think Matt, Matt Patricia can have a, a long career as a, a defensive coordinator. But it's he's shown that he's not quite cut out to be a head coach. Could he get there? Sure. Hopefully he could learn from his mistakes that he made in Detroit. And you know, when when you consistently blow leads like the Lions or the Falcons have have done, that's on coaching. Yeah, uh, it absolutely is. Total lack of focus. The Lions don't lack in talent, and neither do the Falcons, uh, especially on offense with the Falcons. But when when you just completely implode. Like the Lions did against the Bears, against the Packers, against the uh, um, who would the Lions blow it against last week? Um, they blew it against the um, Saints. Saints, yeah, Saints, yep. You know, a fourteen to nothing lead in the first yeah. five minutes of the game, right? And the, the, the end of thirty-five, fourteen, yeah. before the next score. Uh, the Lions. You know, you just you just can't can't do that. And so, hopefully, if Matt Patricia wants to be a head coach again, you know, he would would learn from his mistakes and. And kind of uh, swallow the jagged little pill, if you will, and and suck it up and get some humility and be like, you know what, I'm just going to work as a as an assistant here for the next few years, and hopefully I'll get another head coaching chance. I don't know if y'all heard what he ended up saying Sunday after the game. Um, Patricia came out and said that he inherited a team that, and I quote, needed a lot of work. Now, obviously, former Lions, yeah, former Lions quarterback Dan Orlovsky ripped. Patricia saying to come in and say that you had a lot of work to do is completely false. It's a bunch of trash. And I agree with Lewinsky. I think that is just a bullshit statement. Every NFL team has talent. You know, I, you know, people look at the jets and want to, you know, rip on their lack of talent or whatever. Every NFL team has talented players who can win in the NFL. It's up to the coaches to, get those players to play at their potential. Look at the some Packers right are, now. Some coaches are better at doing that than others. So for Matt Patricia to say that, and I did not see that statement, for him, for him to say that, I I agree with uh, Orlevsky. That's, that's, that's bullshit. But the way I see this is, the guy came in, he took over a nine-win team, and now has won just ten games so far in three seasons. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, how are you going to say that's the, the, the talent's the problem? You, you dismantled, right. you regressed. And, and like you said, Ron, you're saying the Lions losing double-digit leads, right, and losing games. The Lions have lost 20 games that they led by double-digit points in under Matt Patricia. Good the boy. fact that they had double-digit leads in those games just shows that they do have the talent to do it. 
Yep, they absolutely do. They absolutely do. The Lions are now 10-25-1 under Matt Patricia. And I have a quote here, and I want you guys to hear this. Patricia now has a worse winning percentage than the man who ineptly presided over the first 0-16 season in NFL history through the same points in their Detroit careers. That is per Jeff Risden, and that guy was Rob Marinelli. Not he has sure. a worse winning percentage than Rob Marinelli, who had an 0-16 season. <laughs> how How is that possible? I thought Schwartz was a head coach of that 0-16 team. It was Rob Mar- Marinelli. Yeah, you're right. Rod Marinelli, you're right. Okay, yeah, I thought it was Marinelli because I I just always held on to that name. But I think think Patricia has just been bad. You know, obviously the Lions, they do play in a division with the Packers, the Vikings, and the Bears. So the competition is stiff, but I think the Lions are lucky to have a quarterback as talented as Matt Stafford. They have a legitimate wide receiver one in Kenny Galladay. What I would say is a pretty darn good wide receiver two in Marvin Jones, a good young tight end in TJ Hawkinson, and a stable mm-hmm. of talented running backs. Marvin, now, offense, was, offensive line isn't too bad either. No, it's I'll not. Give you another, I'll give you another Marvin at wide receiver with the Lions. Marvin Hall is a good receiver. Okay, I agree with that. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, they, have Je- they have Jesse James backing up uh, TJ Hawkinson too. Yeah, I mean, Jesse James too. I mean, he's he's a good, he's a really good blocking tight end, and if you have to have it, he he will he will he will make a catch. Yeah, they so, pulled him out of Merrimack Caverns in Stanton, Missouri, I think. Yeah. So for for Patricia to come out and say that, oh, I had, you know, not a lot to work with here, is just appalling. It is appalling for him to make that statement. It sounds like he's just trying to save himself at at this point. And I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm a Lions player, I'm pretty damn pissed that he said that, to be honest with you. Absolutely. Especially how Matt Stafford feels about that. Yeah, I mean, I would lose a lot of respect for my coach saying that. Yeah. I think the Lions have always been a talented team. I think they just needed the right coaching. And I'm gonna be the, you know, I'm not the first one to say it. Patricia is not the coach that they need at all. And you know, I can sit here all day and talk about Patricia has not used the running backs the way they should have been used. And Bo knows I can go all day on that. Although Bo, I do have to say this: uh, both of us were ragging on Patricia for not using DeAndre Swift enough. And this past Sunday, Patricia got him more involved. So maybe he listened to the show last week. I don't know, man. Maybe he's chiming in and listening to us. They're gonna need his involvement. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's still so – we think back and, you know, Bo's been a, a real big person of talking about this. It's still shocking to me that the team let Jim Caldwell go. Oh, yeah, I hate uh, – uh, yeah, don't get me started on that. Because just, Caldwell was know, a good coach. He was a great coach. I kind of liken the Jim Caldwell stuff to Nebraska letting go of Bo Pelini because, yeah. like, Nebraska was sick of nine and three seasons – Year after year after year after year. <laughs> and, and the Lions got tired of Jim Caldwell winning nine and ten games and getting to the playoffs and then not winning. Mm-hmm. Well, what would you rather have? Nine and ten wins exactly. every year or ten, twenty-five and one? I'll tell you what the fans will choose. The season ticket holders will choose. They'll choose nine and seven every year. In the four years that Caldwell coached, the Lions were eleven and five, in which they made the playoffs, seven and nine. Nine and seven, in which they made the playoffs, and then nine and seven again. So you had two playoff appearances in four years, and somehow the Lions organization did not see that as good enough. So now they sit at 10, 25, and one. And it's like, what, what, what kind of precedent are you going to set there? Like, you, you let a guy go who's, who's win, you know, nine and seven, he had been making the playoffs and all that, and then you give, you give this guy three atrocious years. You know what I mean? And you just keep letting him go through loss after loss. I just don't – I mean, when are you going to call it quits? I mean, like, do you think he makes it to week eight? <laughs> no. I mean, honest question do y'all. I don't think he I, – I, I wrote in my notes here, don't think he makes it to week eight. I mean, what do y'all think? No. I, 
I don't yeah. think he. I don't think I don't he will. See how especially, you could. especially after you know, like Ron said, if if they they lose like the next three games or so, it's I mean it's over then. When's that's the last what, bye week? When uh when it uh, let me see let me pull it up real quick, let me see when the Lions bye week is. Depending on when it is and if how many games they lose between now and then, that would be an optimal yeah. time to do it as an organization. I mean, they don't have like their games coming up: Jags, Falcons, those Colts. are winnables. Yeah, I mean, Vikings, Washington, Panthers, Texans, Bears. I mean, you can win. See, you can rattle off wins there. Those are all winnable games for the Lions. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is make or break time for Matt Patricia because if you lose to those opponents who are not playing well, then none yeah, of the, none of them have winning records. None of those teams. So their bye the week. Their bye week is this week. It's week five. He's not going to get fired during the bye week then. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Don't let him play the J. If he loses to Gardner Minshew, bye-bye. Good Hey, race. Gardner Minshew started out East Carolina. I, that's my alma mater. I like Gardner Minshew. I'm just hey, saying. Man, you're talking to a big Minshew You got, you got Matt Stafford. You should be able to win that game. Definitely. So Min, Minshew told me a funny story at the Senior Bowl. He said the only reason Mike Leach, who has an affinity for Pirates, mm-hmm. you know, like like everything Pirates, right, with, with uh, Mike Leach, the only reason Mike Leach recruited him was because Minshew was from East Carolina. <laughs> really? That is hilarious. Man, I think, okay, so are you saying, so you're saying now, Ron, the, the bye week is this week, so you're saying he's got three more weeks, tops. If he loses Jags, if he loses back-to-back after the bye, the Jags well, and the Falcons. It's that's not it. necessarily losing, it's how they lose. True. If, if. The games are competitive, sure. You know, he might be able to to hang on to his job. But if they blow another lead like they did against the Bears, if they blow another lead like they get like they did against the Packers, if they blow another lead like they did against the Saints, yeah. So you know, if if the Lions jump out to a seventeen to three lead on Jacksonville and end up losing forty to twenty, <laughs> then yeah, he's done. Who are the better choke artists in the NFL? Is it is it the Falcons or the Lions at this point? It's <laughs> the Falcons. Falcons. Yeah, I, I, I would still lean Falcons, especially because you know they hit a recent Super Bowl where they were up twenty-eight to three. And that's you know? that was the point I was just going to make. The Lions have never been to a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah, so they haven't <laughs> had the opportunity to choke one of those yet. Yeah, so, right. So it's got to go to the Falcons, um, guys. I want to talk about the Buffalo Bills, and I want to ask both of you: Are the Bills actually one of the legitimate favorites for the Super Bowl this year? Um, currently, Vegas says the Bills have the ninth best odds to win the Super Bowl at plus 1,800. Um, now, weirdly enough, I don't know why this is, weirdly enough, Vegas has the 49ers with better odds to win the Super Bowl than the Bills right now. I don't really understand that, uh, but I'm, I'm not going to – I've learned not to question Vegas. Vegas hits a lot, so I'm not going to question them with that. Um, but I do think it all starts with Josh Allen for Buffalo, and it's pretty obvious. Um, what did I say, say last week, Bo? No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Islands, no, and it needs to be their slogan. It needs to be their slogan now. When did um, you turn into Chris Berman? Oh, no, oh, that's his thing funny. now. That's funny. But I'm enamored with the step that Josh Allen has taken from year two to year three. I mean, you can tell he has a lot more confidence. Uh, he's more patient. Better, he's better decision-making, for yeah, sure. Exactly. More patient, showing off more poise in big moments of, of the games. Um, and he's become a much more efficient passer. He has the offense rolling. And the defense, we all know the the – Bill's defense is a is a solid one and a talented one. So, Ron, are you buying that the the Bills are legitimate Super Bowl contenders this year? I'll say they're legitimate AFC contenders. But you're with, not going to go as far to say Super Bowl yet. With a caveat, 
Remember a few years ago when the Vikings started out like five and zero, and then they finished the season like eight and eight. I do remember that. You know, um, there have been teams to start a season four and zero and finish seven and nine. You know, so uh, through the first quarter of the season, the Bills have been excellent, and I think the MVP of the Bills so far this year has not been Josh Allen, but okay. has been Stephon Diggs. Okay, he, oh, I, I like that. He has been such a huge pickup for the Bills and just ignited that offense, gave Allen uh, a guy he can turn to on any down, especially on third down, and and, and Diggs catches everything. So, well, He mossed. He mossed. I don't know what the player was this past weekend, but he mossed a player so bad. It was an amazing <laughs> catch. Uh, Stephon Diggs, I don't think he gets enough credit. And, Ron, I, I, I may agree with you with that statement. Stephon Diggs has pretty much given Josh Allen the wide receiver one that he's never had. Yeah. He's the guy that you can you can look over there. And, you know, if you throw it up for Stephon Diggs, chances are he's going to make the catch, right? Or he's going to make a play. I don't not think. Not bad for a guy who's only like 5'11". Exactly. Exactly. The the thing that Stephon Diggs does at such a high level is his release is incredible. His release off the line is incredible. He's a very crisp route runner. Very crisp route runner. His footwork is is amazing. Um, As of right now, Josh Allen, and you know, that could be a huge part of why Allen has taken this next step. So I'm probably going to agree with you with that. Right now, Josh Allen ranks in the NFL. He's second in passing yards, second in passing touchdowns. He has 21 20-plus yard completions, which is second in the NFL. And he has four 40-plus yard completions, which is tied for second in the NFL. Um, And here's a cool stat for you guys. Josh Allen is one of four quarterbacks to ever throw for 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns in a 3-0 start. The other three guys to do that were Patrick Mahomes, Peyton Manning, and fellow Bills quarterback Jim Kelly. Those previous three quarterbacks all reached the Super Bowl that season. Wow. so that's interesting, isn't it? I don't. I don't necessarily think that's going to translate to him making the Super Bowl. No, I don't. I don't. But Pat, Pat Mahomes do, in his way. <laughs> I do think it's interesting, though. I do think it's yeah. an interesting stat. And also, Josh Allen has thirty-six touchdowns to three interceptions in his last fifteen games. That's my, good. I mean, he's been balling. He's been balling. Now, Stephon Diggs this season could be a major part of that. I think it's it's easily probable they, that he's been they, a huge. They've part elevated of that. each other's game. That's for sure. They definitely have. And also, I hate having – and this is a side note. I hate having a Buffalo Bills running back in fantasy because Josh Allen is pretty much the running back as well. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Josh Allen gets more attempts than any of the running backs. He'll probably have as many rushing touchdowns as their leading back does in touchdowns. Like, they're, you know, the, whichever one leads in touchdowns. I bet it's really close. Like how oh, it'll, it'll be super close. It'll yeah, be super guaranteed. close. Guaranteed. Josh Allen. Thurman Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah Seriously. Josh Allen, he he is such a his arm is incredible. Everyone knows he might have the strongest arm in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I I don't remember. I don't know if this is actually going to happen or not. Bo, do you know if Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen were actually serious about having a, a throwing competition? Do you remember when they were talking about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Josh Allen could maybe chuck it further, but I mean, I'd rather have if you got to get pick one between the two to throw like you know the ten yard out that you got to really zing in there. Give me give me Pat Mahomes. Oh. Well, of course, Pat, yeah, Patrick you know, Mahomes. It's just, just like two different things, you know. Even though that Josh Allen's got tons of velocity, I mean, he's not lacking that at all. No, it's not with that. Don't get me wrong here when I'm saying that. I'm just, you know, it's 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 Pat freaking Mahomes, you know. I mean, but Josh <laughs> Allen can probably sling it what 50, 60 yards from his knees or some crazy stuff like that. If, if Herbert can do it, Allen can do it too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, the thing uh, is, the the knock on Allen though with that. Oh, that arm strength has been his accuracy, but this this year he's completing seventy one percent of his passes. 
I think it's 71 percent. I think it's 71 point something. I was I was reading about it earlier. It's actually actually 70.9. I I rounded up. I feel kind of the way Ron does. Like, you know, he was mentioning teams that start off hot and don't end hot. You know, the Bills say they get hit really bad with COVID and have to take two weeks off late in the year or a week off late in the year. I mean, their offense could stall out. You know, they could lose their momentum and that could change everything. You know, I I like him. I think they're AFC contenders. I got they're the third best team in the AFC to me right now. Um, and that put that's putting them over over the Steelers, in my opinion, is it'd be the Chiefs, the Ravens and, and them would be the top three in the AFC for me at the moment with the way that Josh Allen and Diggs are playing together. Um, but like, you know, ending if their momentum stops, I mean, it could kill them going in going in the playoffs. Me and you both, we picked the Bills to win their division. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though everyone got really hyped when when Super Cam was headed to New England to team up with Bill Belichick, I still was a big believer in the defense that the Bills had. And Josh Allen taking another step. Now, did I think it was going to be this kind of step? No, I did not. I did not think he was going to take this big of a step in efficiency. I mean, it has been a very, from an efficiency standpoint, it's been a huge step. And, you know, like Ron said, with with the arm talent and everything, coming out of college and through the pre-draft process, a lot of people were talking about his accuracy, right? He wasn't an efficient passer. Um, A lot of times it looked like he struggled between throwing, putting, you know, heat on the ball or putting touch on the ball. It's like he couldn't go in between the two and know which one to throw when. Clearly, he's figured it out. Who, who it was the Rams game when he drove all the way down the field. He just made throws you cannot teach. You could not teach. It was such just big time throws, and they were beautiful throws too. Perfect timing, perfect placement. He's just he's taken a major step, and it's really cool to see a guy that you know people were you know really down on at one point see him take this big of a step. It's kind of like the Lamar Jackson thing, right? Lamar Jackson's a running back, right? I'm sure, you know, Lamar Jackson would be a much more successful running back than he is quarterback right now. But I think it's really cool to see Josh Allen taking this step. You know, the Bills have good pieces all over the field on the defense with Ed Oliver, Tremaine Edmonds, Micah Hyde, Tredavious White. You know, they have guys that can make plays consistently at every level of defense. Um, So I I think the team is built for a Super Bowl run, but I don't, I'm probably going to stick with you, Ron, Let's just say they're AFC contenders right now. Let's not let's not go out here and say, hey, these guys are going to the Super Bowl. They're one of the favorites. If then right now, even though the plus eighteen hundred odds, if I was a betting guy, those odds might look pretty good to me right now. I'm just gonna be honest. I don't know if you guys are betting guys. You know, I realize the Chiefs beat the Patriots pretty handily Monday night, but the Patriots were without Cam Newton and I'm never gonna bet against Bill Belichick, especially yeah. when he has a quarterback as talented. As, as Cam Newton. So the Bills have to get through the the AFC East with the Patriots and Cam Newton. And then they got they'd have to deal with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So they could have and they could have to play the ca- Patriots a third time, maybe. Ca- you know, cautiously optimistic on the Bills chances of getting to the AFC championship game and possibly the Super Bowl, where they I mean the the NFC is is there a team that can outscore Green Bay? <laughs> <laughs> probably not. No, there probably is not. Green Bay is on a roll right now. It looks like Rodgers just trying to send a message at this point. Um, and I would be too if you know my team spent our uh, what was it second round pick on a quarterback. I'd be pretty right. pissed off about it if I was Aaron Rodgers. For First sure. round pick on a quarterback. First round pick. You're right. You're yeah. Right. How'd you feel about that, Ron? Well, as a Wisconsin guy, I I, I didn't understand it, especially because Jordan Love is, has not been active in a game yet this season. He's the third string quarterback. At least when the Packers took Rodgers behind Favre, Rodgers was the backup. 
<laughs> you know, he was the number two guy yeah. for a few years, but Love is behind uh, friggin' Tim Boyle, you know? So <laughs> I it just, the Jordan Love pick, it's nothing against Jordan Love. I just thought the Packers had a lot of other needs. And, you know, I hope Jordan Love can be the third guy in that succession from Favre, Hall of Famer, Rogers, future Hall of Famer, Love. You know, I, I really hope that can happen. Were uh, you a big fan of Love in the pre-draft process? I liked him. I don't think I loved him. I, I, I didn't, definitely did not consider him a first-round guy. You know, one thing that is kind of lost in this, and now granted, the Packers traded up back into the first round to get Jordan Love. That is what I don't like more than anything. I really don't have a problem with the Packers drafting Jordan Love, but I do have a problem with them trading up into the first round Aaron Rodgers probably sitting there thinking, oh, great, going to get me another receiver, going to get some help with the defense, right? Whatever. Quarterback? You know? So, but people need to remember that even when Brett Favre was a quarterback, the Packers drafted Mark Brunel. Uh, They drafted Ty Detmer. They drafted Aaron Brooks. It's not like Aaron Rodgers was was the first quarterback the Packers drafted when Brett Favre was a quarterback, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they drafted Matt Hasselbeck, you know, so uh, and all those guys obviously ended up going elsewhere to become starters. Actually, I take that back. They did not draft Detmer, but he was a far backup. But we'll see. I mean, I, I, I don't Rogers is 36 years old. I, I don't know if we'll ever see Jordan Love start a game in Green Bay. He might do out his rookie contract as a backup and go somewhere else like Aaron Brooks did, like Matt Hasselbeck did. You know, yep. we'll see. Uh, the Packers are rolling right now, so maybe LaFleur knew and, and, and Goot knew what they were doing. Well, Ron, I want to ask you this. When when the draft was going on, the first-round pick comes up, who were you hoping for? You know, you're saying you did not oh. expect Jordan Love to be the pick, so who did you want? Oh, my God, you put me on the spot because I hmm. went on a rant about this during the, the draft itself, how it was T.J. Watt all over again because – there was a Wisconsin pass rusher there on the board, and that's who I thought Green Bay was going to get. A Wisconsin pass rusher? Okay, I'm trying to think who that would be. Yeah. Pretty Zach, sure the Saints got him. Zach Bond. Zach Bond. Zach, yeah. He got Zach in trouble. There we now, go. He ended up going third third round to the Saints, but yeah. um, Zach Bond was the guy who, when, when Green Bay traded back up into the first round, I'm like, oh, my God, they're they're going to do it. They're going to get another pass rusher. They're going to get Zach Bond. They're going to make everybody in Wisconsin super happy. They're they're going to make up for passing on T.J. Watt and trading down in the 2017 draft when they did not take uh, T.J. Watt. They traded down out of their pick and ended up taking Kevin King. And then the Steelers got T.J. Watt with the very next pick. I'm just like, okay, they're going to make up for T.J. Watt. Zach Bond, here it is. And then Jordan Love. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I I couldn't believe it. I'm going to be honest with you, Ron. We we talked about the Packers draft class after the draft, and Bo and myself were both not very high on it. Oh, it's not that we weren't high on the players that were selected. It was just a weird group of guys that it didn't seem like the Packers needed whatsoever. AJ Dillon's uh, not getting any burn. At AJ all. Dillon isn't getting anything right now, and AJ Dillon he was a, a little very bit Monday night, but he was a one of a very very talented back, you know, coming into the draft. And I didn't see, you know, you've got Aaron Jones, you've got Jamal Williams, and I think Jamal Williams is one of the better, you know, running back twos in the NFL. I mean, Jamal Williams is, is very talented, and I didn't understand the A.J. Dillon pick. And then in round three, you took Josiah DeGuara, 
the tight end from Cincinnati, and Adam Troutman was still on the board. And I mean, that blew my mind. I I, I knew if y'all went tight end, it would go. You would go Adam Troutman. And how much how much time is Deguar getting at all? Is Deguar getting any looks right now at all on the field? Do you know? Dude, I'll be. I don't even know that name. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently it looks everything. like he's not then. It looks like he's not getting any looks then. But that whole draft, you know, it, it's it shocked Bo and myself, you know, both of us when Jordan Love was the first pick. But then the AJ Dillon pick, it just it just looked like it wasn't making sense. I, now maybe they have something planned. Maybe Jamal Williams is you know leaving soon. I don't know. But it, I, I didn't understand why spending a, a second-round pick on a running back that's probably going to be your third string all year long unless injury happens. I didn't understand that. And then you take a quarterback in the first round when you have Aaron Rodgers, where quarterback's not a question. You know, obviously, maybe they're planning for the future, right? But like you said, Ron, or does this guy sit there the whole time and go off of his rookie contract and leave? You know, like other guys before him yeah, have. You know, so so you, you mentioned Green Bay's two first or first two picks in the in the 2020 draft, and they're both third string. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. No, it, it, it really doesn't. I, I don't know. I don't know what the what the plan was going in. I don't know. They you know they could have had a whole different game plan, Ron, going in. Maybe I don't know. Maybe they had a whole different plan. The guys that they wanted with the first two round in the first two rounds. Maybe they were both gone. I don't know if someone panicked. I don't know if someone. I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know where their where their train of thought was with those draft picks. I mean, and where where their usage would have been. Um, I was I was one hundred percent thinking they were taking a receiver when that when it came for them to time to pick. And it's what they needed. It is yeah. what they needed. I mean, I've one. I fully full blown expected it. I think I don't know if I still have well, my mock at- from that night. I might, I might have had them taking that. It, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, look at what they've they've gotten out of Malik Taylor in the first couple of weeks, especially Monday night. Alan Lazard from Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I loved him when he was at Iowa State, a, a huge receiver um, with with good hands. You know, and he fills in for Devonte Adams and has done extremely well. Of very course, well. Of course, he got hurt. But what I love about Green Bay, as someone who is like anti so-called power five is that green Bay's top two running backs are from UTEP and BYU. Their best receiver is from Fresno state. Their tight end, Robert Tanyan, the touchdown scoring machine is from Indiana state. You know, um, this just shows that you you don't need to go to one of the so-called power fives in order to be a successful NFL player, uh, you mentioned Josh Allen. He's from Wyoming, you know. Uh, exactly. That's the only offer he got too in the recruiting process. Marquez Valdez Scantling, one of the Green Bay's other receivers, is from South Florida. Power six with the American. I'm an East Carolina grad, but but uh, please, we will not talk about East Carolina football this year, though. <laughs> no, no, no I, I won't bring that up on you. I, won't <laughs> up on. I wouldn't but, do that to you. You know, uh, I love it when the proverbial small school guys succeed in the NFL. And I will say that there is such a lower bust factor for those guys from the so-called group of five or from FCS schools or Division two schools because they have to do more to stand out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, exactly. more is expected Jones, if you're power five. More is expected. Right. Aaron Jones had to work his ass off at UTEP just to get noticed by NFL teams. Whereas Trent Richardson, you know, was Mr. Big Man on campus at Alabama, and then he busts out of the NFL, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. You know? It's like so, Deontay Johnson coming out of Toledo. You know, that's I think that's a, for the Steelers. They, they love going to the small school guys, too. So I love hearing you talk about this. 
Kareem Hunt went to Toledo, you know? Yeah. yeah. So James uh, Harrison went to Kent State. Yeah. The small school guys, they kill it. Well, if you, if you look, get the at, right look at some of the best players in NFL history. Walter Payton went to Jackson State. Terrell Owens went to Chattanooga. Uh, Jerry Rice went to uh, Mississippi Valley State. You know, those are all FCS schools. We're not yeah. even talking about the the so-called group of five, right? Matt Filer on the Steelers was Division II Bloomsburg University. I'd never even heard of them until he came out in pro. <laughs> I mean, that stuff's crazy. And I think so, these um, guys put schools on the map, man. Yeah, it's, and it's really cool. Was it John Stallworth who played for the Steelers in the 70s? He went to Alabama AM. I mean, that school is, I think, Division II. I mean, that's just, there are some guys who went to some, some, some tiny places. It seems like, you, you know, like you said, Ron, it's, it's a lower bus factor. And I think, you, you want to see these guys succeed, right? Because you, you feel like they are working two times harder to get noticed, like you said, than these guys that come in immediately with, with cameras on them, right? So you really you really want to pull for these guys, and they work extremely hard. So obviously, Devontae Adams, right, coming out of Fresno State, you think he got as, as many looks as Julio Jones did coming out of Alabama? Right. <laughs> and, oh, he did not. And, and, and who was his quarterback at Fresno State? It was Derek Carr. You know, um, you know, I know I kind of I said earlier I didn't understand the Jordan Love pick, but you know, I'm I'm not against Jordan. Got a Utah Love. State he's, kid he's now, man. Utah State. Well. Oh, I I I want to I want to see those guys do well. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a cool storyline. It's like a kind of like a fairy tale when these guys come out of come out of small schools and show up at the biggest level and and really prove themselves. It's a cool story. And they don't get any better than Shaquem Griffin coming out of UCF. Oh. Oh, oh man. man, that that is which, that is the best feel good story you could have brought up. You you cannot refer to UCF as a quote unquote small school though because it is literally the largest college in the country when it comes to undergrad enrollment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> is it, it is. really? I didn't yeah, even know is. that. Yeah, it goes UCF, Arizona State, Ohio State. Those are the three biggest schools in terms of undergrad enrollment in the country. That's crazy, Ron. And how much how much cooler did it make the story for Sha- Shaquem Griffin to get drafted? And then get drafted to the same team his brother's on and get to play with his brother. I mean, how, how much cooler of a story can you ask for than that? Un- I mean, it was very cool. Unfortunately, that only happened because so many teams passed on him in the first four rounds. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And, you know, he well, he was a fifth round pick, I think. Right. And he, was. he he's a third. He was second, third round talent. Mm-hmm. You, you saw that in the Peach Bowl against Auburn. Oh man, I was about all, to all bring over, that game up. He was, he, was, he was the best player on the field in that game. And it's not and it wasn't even close. When I see a guy with one hand make an interception, I'm just like Yeah. And, that's a, that's and he's tackling everybody who has the ball. I'm just like, yeah, this guy has it, you know, the proverbial it, right? Yeah, has it, the, the it that everybody wants. I mean, kudos to him this year. I think they cut him, brought him back, and he's been balling. He has been. He's been balling out. And that takes um, a mentally strong person, like all around, to, to, to be cut, keep your confidence, come back, and still play at the highest level. Yeah, it does. It takes a lot. Guys, I want to talk about something that we touched on a little bit earlier. COVID-19 in the NFL right now. I'm not going to say it's super serious right now, but it, it, it looks like it could definitely become very serious. The Titans have 16 cases of COVID-19 in the organization, uh, including eight players. So for the Titans, this is a massive issue. 
this is a huge problem they've got on their hands. It's a breakout. Um, and then on top of the eight players for the Titans, Patriots quarterback Cam Newton, Falcons rookie cornerback A.J. Terrell, and Chiefs practice squad quarterback Jordan Taamu have tested positive. Obviously, our biggest fear is that a major outbreak happens, right, like league-wide in the NFL. This is what everyone was worried about. Everyone was worried, you know, what happens if we get football and then COVID comes in and starts spreading? So how big of a problem, Bo, I'm going to start with you first. How big of a problem do you think we have right now? Um, well, it seems like it's kind of gotten under the control in the last 24 hours. Um, but I think the the biggest thing is where what is going to happen with the with the games that have to be moved around. I don't think the NFL, you know, I don't there, there's no way that I don't see the season being halted. There's too much money on the line. I don't see that going down. Like I see them playing this season and I think when it comes to seriousness, you're really just looking at how they structure like are they going to add an extra week to the season? Are they going to cut out like like that week before the Super Bowl like because you're not going to have all the events and all the crazy stuff going on going around that week it's just pretty much just going to be a game because they can't have the public gatherings you know what I mean so I think it's really just going to come down to how they structure the season and there's going to be a lot of teams you know I mean Steelers fans more than the Steelers you know team Mike Tomlin handled it very well but they got kind of the short end of the stick and they had no positive cases and that's going to keep happening the more the more positive cases we get, I think, you know, um, it just, we're going to see how that part plays out and how, how the season's going to get restructured. It doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like it's going to be fair to everybody. And I wonder how that's going to affect the outcome of the season. I mean, the Steelers went from having a bye week mid year to having a bye week now, and they actually practiced in their bye week and then, which they don't normally do. And then they got sent to play three playoff teams from last year on the road. You know, yeah. I mean, so that's and that wasn't supposed to line up that way either. So, I mean, it, it, some teams are going to get the short end of the stick and there's going to be a lot of complaining. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing is, I mean, can you imagine I, I'm, I'm kind of picking at them. But can you imagine the fuss the Saints would have made if that if they didn't have any positive cases and they forced them into three road games in the mid midway through the season oh, you, you and took their buy? Oh, they'd have had a, they'd have had a petition going around and everything. They'd have had a full blown lawsuit coming down. You know, asking teams to forfeit. You know, I'm, I'm just picking at the Saints, but yeah, it's, it's you know, it's, it's fun I think, to do that because of who we know. Right? I think yeah. what happens with the teams and and the way they move the schedule around and how they handle it's going to be everything. Yeah. So I saw on Twitter Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus put out a tweet. It was an interesting tweet. He said, "Were we just really lucky the first three weeks of the season, right? That there were no positive tests." Or did we take the right steps? Did the NFL take the right steps and, you know, caution with the coronavirus, but then get lackadaisical as weeks went on after there were no positive tests in the first week or second week? You know, do you think we were lucky? I mean, Ron, do you think we were or do you think we got lackadaisical? What do you what do you think has been the issue with this? I mean, other than just being a pandemic and a very contagious disease, which is the main issue. I mean, you know, how, again, I want to ask you the same question. How big of a problem is the NFL looking at right now? I really don't know because we don't know how, like, with the circumstances around the Titans players or the Chiefs players or the Patriots players um, getting the virus. Were they being irresponsible? You know, were they uh, or what? I mean, I, we really don't know. So w- without more facts, I, I I don't really feel comfortable to answer that question. But obviously, the NFL couldn't really do things like the NHL or the NBA did. 
um, the bubble. You know, much. Right. Putting every every team in one location. It's, it wasn't feasible to do. What about for the playoffs? Do you think they can do it? You know, baseball's doing it. Yeah. Uh, so I do think if we get to, you know, late December, January, and if this is still an issue, I do think something like that is possible. You know, just putting every team in Green Bay and, and having them play in the snow at Lambeau would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be great for you, wouldn't it, Ron? <laughs> I, I heard I heard that there were, th- you know, something like the playoff teams could be forced into like a bubble in their city. Like the teams would get forced into a hotel together in their Both city teams. throughout the playoff. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I've been hearing that, too. And that's not a bad idea. But No, the Niners played back to back games at, at the Met. And that wasn't bad, except for the turf at, at the Met. Um, so, I, I don't know. F- football is a completely different animal when it comes to every other sport, because they only play once a week. More teammates, more players, more chance of, inf- more yeah. a higher risk of infection. Harder to control 53 guys plus your practice squad who isn't traveling with you and, the, you know, right. and tell everyone not to go to the club. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. I mean, in, in places like Atlanta, the, there's clubs open. People can go out to bars now. Yeah, and, and, I mean, you know, the majority of NFL teams are comprised of 25-year-old single guys. Especially, yeah, these days, yeah. it's mainly guys in their first, in their rookie deals. That's mostly what your team is. Yeah, so, that doesn't help with the whole going out aspect and not being around people, right? That that's not going to help anything. Yeah, it, exactly. You know, you you can't tell a twenty-five-year-old single guy who who just left Auburn for the last who has millions life, now, who who might be living on his own for like the first time. Hey, just stay at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's when, not going to work. You know, so football and 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 in college too. You know, to talk about guys living on their own for the first time. You know. Look, college coaches definitely have a lot more control over the players than NFL coaches do, but you also have triple the players on a team in college than you do in the NFL. It's like 90, isn't so, it? Yeah, you know, 80 scholarship players. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can't it, – it's very tough to tell a 19-year-old kid at, at Clemson, hey, you know – Don't stay, go to that fraternity. <laughs> stay home, yeah. Stay away from the sorority house. yeah. Sure thing, coach. Well, like in yeah. the, I heard you know a lot of colleges those there was actually having parties of a bunch of kids who are positive, just having COVID parties, yeah, like stuff well, like that's so immature. Yeah, I mean, well, it's just that's what you're dealing with in college. Just kind of just touched on to your point is what what do you tell what do you tell a 19 year old? They're gonna go and be dumb regardless. I mean, yeah, you're get, you were getting when they, yeah when they showed up to camp like when UNC players showed up to voluntary camp, they showed up with like 35 kids positive. You know, Miami's the same way. Clemson showed up with 28 players positive. Like, yep. they're all LSU going out. showed up things. with a ton positive. Yeah, it's not seven seven players positive. It's, you know, 27. Like, it's happening at a – you can't control those kids. They're making – they make bad decisions. And you guys made a good point about, you know, a, a guy that just came out of, out of college, just got his money, just signed his rookie deal, right? Bo, Isaiah Wilson, both of us were fans of him, offensive lineman coming out of Georgia this year. You know, with the Tennessee Titans – they told him, look, you know, stay to yourself, stay at home, things like that. He ended up sneaking out, going back to Georgia and going to a party, a fraternity party at the University of Georgia after being drafted. I don't think he he didn't contract the coronavirus, but it was still a bad look, right? Because he was he was breaking protocol. 
Absolutely. You couldn't be doing stuff like that. He Not also a ended good up getting way to a start DUI. your NFL career. Yeah, he also ended up getting a DUI um, in the offseason as well. So that, it's been a rough start by Isaiah Wilson. But that you know that's a topic for another day. But these guys, yeah, you're not going to be able to tell these guys, yeah, don't go out here, don't do this. You know, this is the time of their lives. You know, they're in their prime, they're young, they're having fun. They Some just signed. Just, they just got money for the first. They time. just got. They just got a ton of money for the first time. They're going to go out and have fun, and that, that's a problem that the NFL and and teams are, are definitely uh, going to face. Now, I do want to ask both of you a question, Bo. I told you I was going to ask you a question that I did not prepare you for, Ron. I'm going to ask you the same question. Okay, and this is kind of going away from the COVID topic, but, but we're going to stay. We're going to stay with the the young players topic. Okay, so right now there are two young quarterbacks in the NFL that are playing pretty well. I would say you got Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. So, Bo, I'm going to ask you first: If you were a team that needed a quarterback right now, and you had to pick between Herbert or Burrow, who would you choose? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Okay, Rob, what would your answer be? I agree with with, with Bo. Is there a reason you say it that fast? Because I feel like Justin no, Herbert's I, really it, putting on the show. He's I like Herbert. Show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just think Herbert's – I mean, I think he's showing flashy plays that's kind of hiding his mistakes a little bit, so people are really hype on him. Uh, I just think Joe Burrow's making some really smart veteran plays out there. The, some of the throws he's making are have been really impressive. Yeah, well, they've also trusted Joe Burrow with the offense more than the Chargers yeah. have trusted Justin Herbert, right? I'm pretty sure Joe – I'm – let see if I can get this right. Joe Burrow just broke the rookie quarterback record for 300 or three games, three straight games of 300 yards passing. Yeah, which I mean, and Joe Burrow's getting hit a lot, but like the when he is escaping those hits, like when he's actually he's moving up in the pocket and feeling the pressure at the NFL level because he's seeing a lot more pressure than he ever did in college, you know, right now. And he's he's feeling out really well. I mean, he yeah, he's getting hit. It's going to be unavoidable. These are pro athletes, but he I mean, he is he's handling, you know, getting beat on pretty well. So when do you guys think Tua's going to get his first start? And they're going to bench Ryan Fitzmagic. When do you guys see that happening? Mm, week seven. Week seven. Okay, I like it, Bo. What's your say on that? Uh, uh, so we just finished week four. I mean, I didn't say. I don't think past weeks. I wasn't. I think we talked about this like week six. I don't remember when we last talked about this. I think, you I think did we were say on week six. We were on the show. I think I predicted week six. I mean, I I didn't think Fitzpatrick didn't give them a chance to win this past week, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I, I would like to see it sooner than later. I mean, you got him out there for a reason. He's healthy. He passed all the tests. I mean, and he, he might give you a better chance at winning. I don't well, see why not. Well, he's definitely going to give you a better chance at winning. You spent yeah. a top 10 pick on him for a reason. Fitzpatrick, yeah, I'm sure he can have great games here and there. I don't understand, you know, unless they're just being super cautious at this point with the hip uh, you know, and that was a bad injury. And I understand that um, there was a long recovery period to that. But I don't understand why he hasn't seen playing time yet. I don't know what their reasoning for yeah. is. You Fitz, know, Fitzpatrick hasn't been that good. No, he I hasn't. Mean, he's not been good enough to say, you know what, Tua doesn't yeah. need to come in. Exactly. Our, our franchise quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years doesn't need to come in right now. We need <laughs> Fitzpatrick to play. Exactly. Like, why would that be a statement that would be made? You know, I, I don't really understand that. Again, maybe – you know, maybe there's stuff going on that we don't know, but I, I do think Tua needs to get in. So, Ron, I'm gonna hold you to that. If we see Tua in Week Seven, 
just know you're going to hear from me. And I'm going to say you called that. And I'll even say on the show that you called that. Our good friend Ron Clements called to a starting. <laughs> friend of the show. Yeah, you know, the friend of the show, Ron Clements, called this. The guy, he, he can see see into the future. Um, guys, another question. Are the Browns legit under Kevin Stefanski? Uh, the Browns are now 3-1 and one for the first time since 2001, which sounds hard to believe, but it's really not hard to believe because they're the Browns, and we know how bad they've been. Um, the Browns' offense has looked pretty good the past two weeks, guys. Baker seems to have his confidence back. The one-two punch of Chubb and Hunt um, has proved to be extremely dangerous. And on top of it all, it looks like Odell Beckham remembered how good he was and is getting the targets and the, um, or the, at least the target share that he needs. I think I think they're going to regress from last week. Personally, I well, think how they're playing not, the, how could they're you playing the worst secondary in football. But how could you how <laughs> could you week. not regress from putting up fifty-one points? You know, yeah, they're not I mean, going to go over that. I'm not expecting to see huge passing weekends going forward for the Browns. Ron, do you think they're legit under Stefanski? Is this Browns team? Has Stefanski I, finally figured out how to pull the potential out of this team? So when the Browns went winless, I thought they would win six games. When the Browns uh, uh, last year, I thought the Browns would contend for a playoff spot. I think the Browns are finally now playing up to their potential. You know, I, I, I mentioned earlier, coaches, every NFL team has talent and and good coaches get their players to play up to their potential and i think that's what what kevin fansky is doing in cleveland the browns are finally doing what some people thought they should have been doing the last couple of years uh because it's not like they don't it's not like they have bad players they really don't um well this is what people expected in 2019 when they started putting the star-studded team together you know that hype that year for the browns was unreal People would just say, oh, well, this team, no one's going to be able to, you know, stop this team. No one's going to be able to defend this team. And to be honest with you, when you have an offense that has a former Heisman winning quarterback in Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper and David Njoku, it, it should be an issue. Defending you should be an issue. I yeah. feel like just they have their, their identity is it's, it's finally there and they're sticking to it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. they are they like they are playing. They're playing the way they have to play to win, and they're doing it pretty damn well. It'll be interesting to see how they do against, you know, the good teams in the AFC North or just in the AFC North in in general, because outside of the Bengals, who are, you know, are going to go through through some growing pains, the Browns, Ravens and Steelers could be neck and neck for the rest of the year. And I know one of the topics that you sent out, Jacob, was a. you know, is the NFC is the AFC North the best division in football? I'm going to oh, say yeah. no. Really? But it is pretty damn good. Okay, well, I, I got to jump straight to that then, Ron. Who 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 is a better division than the AFC North right now? Because I said yes, and that's not just because I'm a Bengals fan. Because believe me, it's horrible being one. Um, <laughs> I I don't I don't see another division right now that has you know obviously and, and you don't ever go by the standings, right? I go with the NF. I go with the NFC West. Really? They, they so they called it the NFC Best for a reason, right? That's what they've called it before. So you're I mean, saying they're I, back to being the NFC Best. I would love to see the NFC North, but you know, I, I don't see the any other team really competing with the Packers. I know the the Bears are three and one, but you know the the Bears beat three teams who hadn't won a game. You know, yeah. So. Yeah, I I think the NFC West is probably the best division in football through four games. So I would say the only thing I have to say about that, Ron, is I can't I can't the only reason I didn't want to see the NFC West was because of the 49ers and the injury issues. 
right? I, I feel like that took them almost out of contention. And the Cardinals are stumbling a little bit. The Cardinals are stumbling. But, but, I'll... but even after signing Bo's uncle off the, you know, off the street, the 49ers still whip the Giants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's it's true. I don't know. I just feel like if you, you – I feel like I've been very adamant in saying I think the Steelers – this is a huge, huge um, bold prediction I've been having, Ron. <laughs> I told Bo that I think his team is going to win the AFC North, and as the Steelers, um, shockingly over the Ravens. I just – you know, I think the Steelers are the best defense in the NFL. Big Ben is finally healthy and playing again, right, which obviously helps out the offense. You've got the Ravens with Lamar Jackson the reigning NFL MVP, and that team is just super balanced and talented overall. That team is just super, super talented. And then you have the Browns, who it looks like they just dropped 51 points. Again, yeah, it was the worst secondary in the NFL. Yeah, the worst defense. <laughs> well, yeah, the way they're playing it is maybe the worst defense. But I think – I just feel like with the, with the 49ers having their injuries, I think I would agree with you if the 49ers weren't injured. If, you know, if Jimmy G was playing right now, if Nick Bosa and um, – and Solomon Thomas hadn't torn their ACLs, right? And Raheem Mostert wasn't out with an MCL sprain. I would def- I-, I would probably agree with you. But what do you say? Is the AFC North the best? Now you're going to be the guy. I mean, this is the tiebreaker. I, I, of course, dude, I'm biased on that. I really, it's probably not even a fair person, probably not a fair person to ask. But I mean, I think so. I mean, I, it's three teams with three wins, and they're they're all three playing pretty pretty doggone well. Well, you know what I mean? I mean, the Steelers haven't, they're one of the teams that haven't beaten anybody good. I believe our components are combined uh, 0-9, you know, and and that is something, sure. I mean, the Broncos were were hurt, and we we hurt them even more. They virtually had no one out there. And the, the Texans were are a bad team. We should The game should have been as close as it was, you know. Uh, but he did have a point. I didn't think about them until he said it uh, in that division, NFC West. And it, and I'm, I'm, he, I, it almost made me change my answer, but I just stuck with my biased <laughs> answer. It almost did. I mean, I, when I, once convinced. I thought about it, yeah. I mean, Seahawks and Rams um, and Niners alone, even the Niners are just still competent, you know, even when hurt because of their coaching and their leadership from top to bottom. You know, they, it's kind of, it, it is kind of the same way as the Packers and the Steelers. There is there is continuity. There's leadership at all at, at every level in those franchises at the current moment, and there's you're you're gonna get you know at least par from them. You know, even if yeah. their teams are hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And speaking well, of, so, but I I don't see two teams in the NFC better than the Packers and the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the AFC, I could see Ravens, Steelers, Chiefs, Patriots, Bills. Uh, Bills, any one of those teams in yeah. the AFC Championship game, I think in the NFC it's it, it's a two horse race between the Packers and the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see where you're coming from with that. I mean, I agree with that statement. I, I definitely do. I just think if you're talking, I mean, about the Packers talent, put up 30 points Monday night without their two best receivers. That's yeah. a fact. <laughs> Robert yes, Tunyon, they did, which is extremely impressive. And again, that goes to show just how good Aaron Rodgers is. It is the uh, Falcons of a bad defense, but yes, they they did not have their playmakers on the field. And Ron, you said that you you were interested to see how the Browns did against you know teams that are that are considered you know good teams that are playing well right now. You know later on in the schedule, I'm excited to see the Browns play the Colts this coming week because the Colts have the number one ranked defense in the NFL right now. So I, I'm I'm really excited to see how how that offense does against the Colts defense right now. Because the Colts defense is playing really well. I mean, it's it's kind of been something special, to be honest with you, 
which has been good because, you know, they do have Phillip Rivers at quarterback who was just almost a turnover machine at this point. So it's good to have a good defense. But um, let's see if you can win this debate, though, Ron. I want to see if, if over the rest of the season, well, is, the, is the NFC West become the best or, or still be the, the best division in the NFL or is it the AFC North, you know, by, by a standing standpoint or how they play standpoint? I'm interested to see how this plays out. The next two weeks, they got the Colts and the Steelers. And um, they scored 49 points against the Cowboys, by the way, not 51. But, you know, this is a Browns team, though, that just got throttled in week one by the Ravens. So, you know, I again, I, th- I think the jury's still out a little bit uh, on the Browns. If they beat the Colts and, and the Steelers in the next two weeks, I might start to be a, a, a believer. They've, they've got the Raiders in four weeks and the, the Raiders are good, not great. But then after the Raiders, you got Texans and Eagles and then Jaguars, and those are very winnable games. So, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how the Browns do after this 3-1 and start. Like I said, the jury's out on them. I'm not willing to be like, oh, yeah, they're legit. Because as, I don't know if it was you or Bo who said, they are still the Browns. Yeah, they are the Browns. I mean, there's no running from that. And you're talking about who's the best division in football it's clear right now the NFC East is the worst division. Oh, I mean, that's a, that's a bunch. Yeah. There was a joke going around like uh, th- this week how or th- this weekend how many games will the NFC East champion win? Like six, five? Yeah, yeah, yeah right. The division overall is three, twelve, and one. And I'm gonna tell you guys this: Philadelphia's tied saved the 2020 edition of the NFC East from being the worst division in modern league history through four games. That's per ESPN. Hmm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, I, I do have to say this, though. Three of the four teams in the division do have new head coaches. So I do think that needs to be and taken into we, account. Yeah, we did know that was going to be hard to deal with well, so this year in particular. Cowboys fans are seeing the frustration of what Packers fans in Wisconsin went through for years with Mike McCarthy. A, a, a high-scoring offense with just no defense. I mean, Dak Prescott throws 500 yards in every game, and they're you know, one and three. I think – you know, the one, two, and one, like you were just saying, Ron, is is the division, whoever's giving the division crown in the NFC East, you know, are they going to win six games? The one, two, and one Eagles are in first place. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so bad. The Eagles have played awful this year. You know, and part, you know, part of it's due to injuries to the whole offense in general. Uh, but they also have no one to throw to besides two tight ends for Wentz, and now it's one because Goddard's hurt. You know, they, it seems like the Eagles love to pick up guys, especially a wide receiver that have injury issues. Like, you know, they're like, oh, Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson has chronic hamstring issues. Get him in here. Right? <laughs> like, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand sometimes the, the personnel that they bring in. Um, and I think Carson Wentz is obviously a very talented quarterback, albeit he has not played like it this year. Carson Wentz has, has struggled a lot this year. But the I Eagles, like Carson Wentz a lot, but he has him. not been the same quarterback since the Super Bowl year, late in the Super Bowl year against the Rams. He runs in for a touchdown and gets hit on his knee and tears his ACL. Enter Nick Foles, you know, we all know the story. But ever since that knee injury, Carson Wentz has not been the same guy. He he was in the MVP conversation before that knee injury. Oh, well, he definitely. Oh, I yeah. think he was going to win him because and, of you. And I, I understand Eagles, frustration, Eagles fans' frustrations with him, especially the way the season's going with the seven picks, but... He's a good quarterback. He's a good player. He's a hell of a guy. He's a good. He's a good person, and 
for Eagles fans to just shit on this guy because, you know, he the team is struggling is is so unfair. I like Wentz. I like Wentz a lot, and I still believe in the guy because I remember that dude he was in 2017. It was and awesome to watch. So, Eagles fans, you're going to go 6-9-1 and one and host a playoff <laughs> game. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, right. It's something to be kind of excited about in a weird way. The Eagles, it's they brought in good people on on defense, and Bo, me and you talked about this. You know, bringing in Hargrave and Darius Slay, but it was apparent when you looked at the depth chart, the Eagles have the worst linebacker unit in the NFL. Yeah, and, and it's killing them. It's honestly killing them. And then again, like I said, having no one for Carson Wentz to throw the ball to on a regular basis. I mean, he comes into every game not knowing which one of his receivers are going to play. Right. Every game. Every yeah. game. He's got two tight ends. Or, or who's in front of him or his offensive line. Exactly. Jason Peters is now out yeah. and for is several it, weeks. And, and isn't it amazing how complimentary football is? You know, the, the defense complements the offense and, and vice versa. You know, you get just average receivers and a good quarterback can make them look great. I mean, look at Brett Favre with Antonio Freeman, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so Wentz, yeah, he, I, I, again, I believe in the guy, but when your defense can't keep the other team off uh, or, or get the other team off the field to give you, to give you a chance, you don't, you, you never really have a, a good opportunity to, to get in a rhythm as an offense. And, and um, so it, it, football, it's been said a lot. It's the ultimate team game and it's, it's said a lot because it's true. Yeah. It absolutely is. And that's a good point for you to make. You know, a good quarterback can make a wide receiver look levels above, you know, talent-wise than, than he actually is. Make him look a lot better. And that's that's really true. I just think the NFC East right now, you know, I just told you all about how they're his, they're almost historically bad. You know, we've already talked about the Eagles. The Giants don't have their star running back now, Saquon Barkley, who they've pretty much just been running into the ground. Um, they have no real threats at wide receiver. They have a talented but injury-prone tight end in Everett Ingram, um, and they still have they still have a lot of work to do on the offensive line. And the defense is lackluster. You know, there's no real game-changing player on the Giants' defense. Then you go to Washington; it's much of the same story. You know, they have a young quarterback that has been given no real pieces to work with, uh, other than I guess you could say Antonio Gibson and of course Terry McLaurin. You know, and thank God I've said this before. Thank God Dwayne Haskins played with Terry McLaurin at Ohio State. Because if they didn't, maybe they wouldn't even have that good of a connection, honestly. True. So I think the defense has a lot of talent, especially the D-line. But but it'll be two to three years before I believe that young D reaches you know their potential. And then you have the Cowboys, which is a completely different story. It's a complete the, – the team that I believe has the best wide receiver group in the NFL, has a top three running back, a great offensive line, a good young quarterback – you know, this Cowboys team is miles ahead of anyone else in the division from a talent standpoint, yet their defense is so bad they can't win games. Like, it's it's honestly brutal to brutal to watch. And you just said something earlier, Ron. I'm pretty sure it was it you or Bo that said something about uh, Dak Prescott throwing for 500 yards. I think it was you. Yeah, Ron. that was me. I'm a big believer that Dak deserves the contract that he's been looking for. Uh, I don't know. How Bo, I think you believe the same thing. Ron, I don't yeah. know if you do. But I think the, the fact that Dak has played, you know, he's played well this season, but he hasn't been able to rely on his defense at all to get the job done. It, it's, it's, you know, Dak is almost constantly coming from behind in games and trying to make things happen for the team. You know, and I've always been a guy that just said he deserved his money. Ron, what's your standpoint on that with the contract and, and Dak just seeming, seemingly having to claw his way to that contract? Well, I'm a big believer that, 
the players with the highest paid contracts should be the best players at their respective positions. I don't think there's anyone in the NFL who would consider Dak Prescott as the best quarterback in the NFL when you have when Tom Brady is still playing, when Drew Brees is still playing, when Aaron Rodgers is still at the top of his game, when when Russell Wilson is looking like an like an MVP guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think highest paid player at your position, you should be the best player at your position. Should I mean, Austin Dak Hooper get, became the highest paid tight end. Thank you for making my point. Yeah. Um, you know, J- Joey Bosa, right? And, you know, he gets knocked down by a running back. And what does he do? He sits on his keister <laughs> and just outs. Highest played defensive end in the game, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I like Dak. I like Dak a lot. And I, I do think he deserves a contract that is, you know, top five money-wise. You know, he, he's a hell of a, hell of a player. Yeah. The, the flip side of that is if you give him all the money, what do you – who are you going to pay to come in and fix that defense? Well, see, they got they got Jalen Smith's deal done. They got Demarcus Lawrence's deal done, right? And like like you said, I understand well, what you're how, saying. How's that working out? Oh, it's not working out very yeah, good the, right the, now. But they're, the, they're, the back end is the big problem. Yeah, right. they're also missing Leighton Vanderesh and Sean Lee. Yes, Sean Lee may be a dinosaur at this point, but he still helps out, right? Like the second level of their defense is struggling really bad as well. It's not just the secondary, right? Leighton Vanderesh. Well, again, with with football being a complimentary game. What is the secondary's best friend? A good pass good for, rush. Yeah, good four-man pass, pass rush, you know, something like that. So, again, football is the ultimate team sport. Every position complements the other. And and um, on the Dallas defense just is not getting it done at any level. And I agree with what you said. You know, if you, if you want the top contract at your position, then you need to be the best at your position. Now, obviously, there is no quarterback that is going to get a contract that's the best at the position now that Mahomes has signed his mega deal. I didn't even mention Mahomes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was thinking about that. I was like, you mention Mahomes at some point? But I was like, okay, well. But, uh, but you know. How did I not mention Mahomes? I was it's like the biggest deal ever. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Dak's not going to get anything like that, right? And deserve, he should not. Dak Prescott should not get a deal, anything even in the stratosphere of what Mahomes got. And we saw Deshaun Watson, again, is an extremely talented quarterback, but he didn't get anything near that, right? Mahomes is in a, in a league of his own when it comes to contracts, right? But I, I think Dak Prescott almost always plays well. I'm pretty sure he led the league well, in passing yards last year, which isn't something to brag about, you know? That that yeah, doesn't that doesn't all back. It's, it's, like, it's like Dak throw for 500 the other day. They lost. You exactly. Know, it doesn't but matter. I feel like they put Dak in that position, yeah. right? Dak's got to throw the ball constantly because they're behind constantly because it, it's just it's a porous defense. Well, when and it I, comes to quarterbacks, I I almost think there needs to be like a different category for players who started their career after 2010 um, with the NFL rules changes to make it such a pass friendly league because you know you look at guys like Dan Marino who held the all time passing record you know, until Brett Favre came along, right? Yeah, and if Mahomes plays, you know, I, I don't know how many more years I have to do the math. He's at he's over ten thousand in three years, right? Yeah. So you know, he plays fifth. If he has a fifteen year NFL career, he might shatter the record that Drew Brees currently has. And you know, Brees is on what year eighteen, something like that. Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know, Favre played twenty years. Peyton Manning had a you know really long career. You know, the 500 TD record, right? That's like, you know, so did, did Breeze break that record too? The touchdown, right. yeah, Breeze broke the touchdown record wow. and the yards record. Yeah. So you know, you you look at at those records of guys who were playing in the 90s and early 2000s, uh, Brady too. 
and I there's almost needs to be like a a, def, a different category for guys who started their career after 2010 with the rules changes because it's so hard to play defense in today's NFL because uh, it, it's almost illegal to to make contact with anybody at at any time. Yeah, and, and uh, it just, it makes it so easy for quarterbacks, um, and it helps when they're super talented like Patrick Mahomes is. Because he can take advantage of those uh, offensive-friendly rules so easily. Oh yeah. Uh, so when I see a guy like Dak Prescott throwing for 500 yards every game, and I'm just like, you know, if this is 1995, he's probably not doing that. No, I, I don't think he's doing that either. I don't. So that's a good point. It, it's a quarterback league. It's an well, offense-heavy sure. league at this point. I mean, that that's what it is. I mean, the MVP has become a quarterback award. And and right? Drew Brees has definitely capitalized on that. Oh, he absolutely has. Yeah. Drew Brees might be the biggest winner from that. He he might be. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you could throw in some other guys, but I think Brees has definitely um, taken full advantage of that. I was going to say, even in their years where they went 7-9 three years in a row, they were still a top three offense every year in those 7-9 to nine years. And obviously, you know, the, the Saints do have you, – you look at Michael Thomas, right? This guy just broke almost every receiving record, I think, other than a touchdown uh, record last year. And, of course, you know, they're throwing the ball so much. I mean, the guy's just yeah. eating it up out there. He's yeah. absolutely – Remember, Art Monk caught 106 passes in like 1985 or something like that, right? Yep. And that was the NFL record. No one had ever even caught 100 passes – in a single season prior to Art Monk. Uh-huh. Sterling Sharp comes along, 1992 and 1993. 108 catches, 112 catches. First player in NFL history with multiple 100 reception seasons. But then a couple of years later, I think it was Herman Moore catches like 120 passes. And then, boom, like now there are a dozen or so receivers who have 100 catches every year. Mike, yeah. Michael Thomas, you mentioned, what did he have last year? 149. 149, you know, that that's ridiculous. <laughs> Crazy. And and that was something that wasn't happening 20 years ago. That's, it, a, it wasn't lot. that's even, a lot of looks. It, it, it wasn't even thought of being possible 20 years ago. Like yeah. when, back, when, yeah. when, when, when Sterling Sharp caught 112 passes in 1993, it was just, it was a, a wow, holy cow. Um, And then his last year in the NFL, 1994, Sharp only caught only, again, air quotes, 94 passes, but he led the NFL with 18 touchdowns. Sterling yeah. Sharp should be in the Hall of Fame. He had a seven-year career. I'm not going to get on my soapbox and beat the table, but I, I will. <laughs> Sterling Sharp deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. That's a hill you'll die on. <laughs> I, I love yeah, you, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you brought up Art Monk, Ron, because during the offseason, we had fan episodes, and for the Washington episode, we talked about you know who were our, our top five all-time uh, Washington players. And uh, Art Monk was, I think, number three on my list. I loved seeing highlights of Art Monk, reading about what he did. And like you said, when he when he went over 100 catches, people thought like he at that point, they were like, this guy might be the greatest receiver ever. You know, right. they, they were like, wow. So, to like, that point, they probably thought he was. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was groundbreaking to everybody then. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought in Art Monk or brought up Art Monk. Uh, Bo, since we're talking about quarterbacks. Right now, let's go ahead and do our updated MVP rankings. And I'm just going to go out and tell you right now, Bo, mine haven't changed since last week because yeah, Russell Wilson and Josh <laughs> Allen both did their thing this week. 
Aaron Rodgers obviously played well tonight. I still have Patrick Mahomes at number four over Lamar Jackson at five. Uh, Ron, do you have MVP rankings right now? And if you do, I would love to hear them. I do not. I will say I think the top two would be Wilson and Rodgers. What those two guys are doing has just been incredible. Uh, Josh Allen has gotten, as I've mentioned before, a lot of help from especially Stephon Diggs. I, I would put Diggs. Like if I had to pick a Bills nominee for MVP, it would be Stephon Diggs over Josh Allen. Dak Prescott, a lot of stats, but no wins. Well, so, see, that's why I had to throw. You know, I I thought it would be a wrong MVP list if it you didn't have Mahomes in it. Like you're right, so well, I have Russell Wilson yeah. and, and stuff like that. I, but, I tell you what, the Chiefs and Mahomes is obviously the straw that stirs the drink there, but they have so many weapons; it's almost unfair. Yeah, uh, should, yeah, if you could just it, give Rodgers B call Hardman alone right now. Is, I mean, uh, uh, again, the Packers <laughs> scored 30 points Monday night without their top two receivers. And yeah. Aaron Rodgers has 13 touchdown passes to zero interceptions. And Crazy. they have scored 30 points in every game this season. They're the highest scoring team in the NFL. And and it's all Rodgers. Um, right now, I would have... 1A, 1B, I don't care which order you put them in, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Those are the top two MVP guys, in my opinion, through four weeks. I respect Uh, that. They are doing more with less. Uh, I've been pulling for Russell Wilson so much. It's who I picked before the season to win MVP. But you just made a great point that Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are doing a lot with what some people would call a little right now. It's really impressive. The award is called Most Valuable. Yep. And that's why I thought Aaron Rodgers, the, the year Matt Ryan got the MVP, I thought it, Aaron Rodgers should have gotten it because he led the NFL in touchdown passes this year and had a slew of injuries at, at uh, on the offense, especially at wide receiver. And again, I thought he did more with less. Um, yep. It's like I, I thought Melvin Gordon should have won the Heisman over Marcus Mariota for the same reason. He did more with less. Melvin um, Gordon was incredible that year. He ran for over 2,000 yards. And, it was incredible. And I, I know we were supposed to talk Heisman tonight. I don't think we're going to get to it, but uh, I'll just throw out one name that you shouldn't sleep on is uh, Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State. I yeah. love it. I love Chuba <clears throat> Hubbard. And I'm going to be honest with you, Ron. I was very surprised when he came back to school. I did not expect him to come back at all. I thought he was. it was time for him to go. I thought you know he was going to be a highly coveted guy in the draft, and I was really surprised when he chose to come back to Oklahoma State. It really and shocked it- me. And if, if it's going to be a non-quarterback and it's not Hubbard, I'll just throw out Kyle Pitts is a guy who should be oh, in the man. Talk yeah. about a guy who has came out booming this season. I mean, it's been – I'm pretty sure he had – at one point Saturday, he had six touchdowns through six quarters. Unreal. On 12 catches. On 12 yeah. catches, yeah. <laughs> it's Half unbelievable. of these catches were touchdowns. Somebody asks there a chance he's a top ten pick this at you know in the upcoming draft. I don't think he's a top ten pick, but I think he's definitely tied in got, one at this point, and he's a first round lock. He's top ten quality like talent, but like I don't think anyone in that top ten is going to want a tight end. You know? you know, someone made the argument. They said if T.J. Hawkinson can get taken at eighth overall, then why can't Kyle Pitts be in the top ten too? That's true. You just I need a suitor. You exactly, know? you need a suitor. So well, so. And- I, and look look at how the NFL has gone with tight ends since Gronk, basically, you know, or Tony Gonzalez, you know, where these guys, Travis Kelsey, you know, they, they are more than just the inline blockers, you know? 
Yeah. They are versatile pass catchers who occasionally line up inside and, and will, you know, chip a defensive end. <laughs> yeah. Has there been, let me ask you this, Ron, has it shocked you this year that Ron, I mean, Ron, that Gronk has been pretty much not even looked at in the passing game in Tampa? Not really. Okay, really, it shocked me. I was like, "Wow, you know, I thought they would have brought him in." Arians has never Arians has never really used the tight end effectively. Period. No, he hasn't. Well, he and hasn't. let's be honest. You know, Gronk retired for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he knew his body was was given out, and the only reason he came back was probably because Brady had a conversation with him. He was like, "Hey, dude, I'd love to have you in Tampa." And Gronk was like, "All right, party on, dude." <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds fun. Be great publicity stunt. Uh, but talking about the Heisman again, you talked about J- Chuba Hubbard, uh, Ron. I don't know about you, Bo. Right now, Vegas has Kyle Trask and Trevor Lawrence as co-favorites. Uh, both of them sit at plus 400. If it's me, I'm pulling for Kyle Trask. Now, that's a Georgia fan saying that. You know, it's hard to say that about, about a Florida guy. But I think – and for, I'm going to be honest with you. I think Trask has the edge over Trevor Lawrence just because I think it's that new guy, Right. Justin Fields and, and Trevor Lawrence were big names last year, and Joe Burrow came out of nowhere and started, you know, just just popping off and balling out. And I think people really enjoy enjoyed a new guy coming into the race. It's like a new horse in the race. And I think so. I think Kyle Trask has the the um, the edge over Trevor Lawrence. I mean, what do you think? If, if you were picking between Trevor Lawrence and Kyle Trask right now, I know it's early, but who who would you put your bet on, Bo? Like if I if I had to go place a bet on who would win the Heisman between well, those I'm guessing two, if you probably say it Trevor like that, Lawrence. It's Trevor Lawrence. Okay, all right. That's I mean, a smart if you bet. say it that bet. way, but I mean, I, Kyle Trask will have a seat at the table that day, at least to have a chance at it if he uh, if he keeps his play up. I mean, he's he, he's he's crushing it, you know. But I mean, if you ask me to to put my money, my hard earned money down on somebody, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. Of course, yeah. And if you go put your hard, hard, you know, hard money down on who's going to be the number one overall pick in the 2021 yeah. draft, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence yeah. as well. Golden I mean, no question. Um, guys, the last thing I want to talk about is who are your early updated favorites for the college football playoff? Mm-hmm. Uh, mine is Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama. So those three are in there. And it's hard for me to pick between Florida and Georgia at this point because both of them have impressed me a lot also i'm a georgia fan so i'm trying to leave biased out of it so i'm gonna ask you ron if you had to pick your four teams for the college football playoff right now who would they be well if you had asked me on friday i'd have ucf in there um (laughs) but tulsa sort of uh ruined that uh is tulsa good i i I don't know didn't they they Um, played somebody else really close the first game of the year i can't remember who it was though i remember watching it. it was one of the first games on in the season I remember that too. I don't know who they were playing either. Man, o- it, um, Oklahoma State. That's yeah. right. That's who it was. Yeah. Close game. I think that yeah, was like was. three Six, three, like almost the whole 16 time. Sixteen seven was the final. Yeah. So, yeah. so you would have had UCF in there, Rod. So who yeah, are you so without UCF? I I think in a year like this, uh, when the Pac twelve is only gonna play eight games, the Big Ten's playing what, nine? Um Oklahoma has already lost twice. Uh yeah, so uh, jumping back to the Heisman real quick, we know an Oklahoma player is not going to win the Heisman this year. An uh, mm-hmm. Oklahoma State player might, but not an Oklahoma player. <laughs> I'm going to go with whoever wins the SEC, whether that's Alabama, Florida, Georgia, right? Um, Clemson, because the ACC is so bad, it's still bad, and Clemson's going to roll through that like a knife through hot butter. Yeah, too easy. Or a uh, hot knife through butter, I mean. 
<laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to go with the Big Ten champ. Uh, I would love for that to be Wisconsin, but it's going to be hard to unseat Ohio State. And then I'm whether it's Cincinnati or SMU or Memphis, whether it's uh, Cincinnati or SMU, I'm, I'm going to go with in, in I'll put a caveat on, on this in undefeated American Athletic Conference champion. But they okay. have to be, but they have to be undefeated, whether that's Cincinnati or, or SMU or, you know, um. I'm not sure who else might be undefeated in that conference, but I'll, I'll, I'll just go with either Cincinnati or SMU out of the American. I, I like that. I like that prediction. So, which is an early prediction. Obviously, it can change. But I think I think it's going to be really hard for like a Cincinnati to come in and unseat a 11 and one. Uh, we're not 11 and one. It's not going to play that many games. But a but a one loss SEC team. Right. I think the yeah. I think it's just gonna be super I think you're you're looking at a year, you know, when when Georgia and Alabama made it the in the first college football playoff, right, and what was it, twenty seventeen, that was unheard of. You know, they they they, they had the, the two 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 teams from the same conference in there, right? Which should not have happened because UCF is the two thousand seventeen national champions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> I love it. So uh so don't they have think- that in their stadium? I'm yeah, sorry. They, they have it somewhere. They they've literally they've literally <laughs> made that the biggest thing ever. It's been recognized by the NCAA. Yeah, it, so. it's, it's actually really funny. It's it's a really funny uh, concept. I, I love that, that that they were saying that, but I think it, this is a year where it's going to be really easy for the SEC to get two teams in, and I think I, I just think it's going to be super easy. I think a one loss SEC team is going to beat out of Cincinnati. The, I, I, I agree. The the college football playoff really needs to put a caveat in there that you, in order to play for it, if, if the playoff is going to be part of the bowl system, which it should not be, the playoff should be held after the bowl games, let the bowl games sort things out I agree and make, that. and make, make the bowl games relevant again. Um, yeah. But if they're going to say that the playoff is going to be part of the bowl games, the bowl system, you should have to win your conference in order to be eligible to play for a national championship. And I would agree with you. I agree with you um, on that. There is no friggin' way Alabama should have been in there in 2017 um, after losing to Auburn. By the way, who who beat Auburn in the bowl game? I can't remember. Georgia. Believe me, that was that was the best no. year I've ever known. That's who the best Auburn? year. Who beat Auburn in the bowl game that year? After oh, Auburn not in the bowl game, game. Not the bowl game. Uh, who beat uh, UCF? That was there UCF. There we go, UCF. There we go, Ron. Yeah. That, that way, was actually the national championship. But yeah. it, yep. it, it was it was analogous to previous years, pre-BCS, when you would, would have two teams that were, you know, good, who didn't play each other in the bowl games, right? And you had to yeah. pick a national champion. And right. uh, UCF got picked by one of the – NCAA recognized polls as the national champ. So, but <laughs> if if the playoff was held after the bowl games that year, if you use the old bowl tie-ins, and and I use 2017 as an example because of UCF, <clears throat> the old bowl tie-ins you had the Big Ten and Pac-12 going out to the Rose Bowl, right? Yeah. So that year it would have been USC against Ohio State. Um, the ACC champ. And the Big 12 champ would have gone to the Orange Bowl. That would have been Clemson, Oklahoma that year. 
the Sugar Bowl would have gotten the SEC champ against an at-large team. That would have been Georgia against, like, a Notre Dame. UCF, as the old Big East champ, remember the uh, Big East champ used to go to the Fiesta Bowl as, as an automatic bid, right? Well, the American, it's the same conference. So the UCF would have gone to the Fiesta Bowl to play an at-large team. Who would that have that at-large team have been? It would have been Alabama. So ho- play the bowl games. Let the bowl games be relevant. Um, the Citrus Bowl, Big Ten runner-up, SEC runner-up. That year, I think it would have been Wisconsin and, and Auburn because Alabama would have been the at-large at team, right? And then the, the Peach Bowl would have gotten the ACC number two against, like, the, the American number two or maybe the Conference U.S. No, not Conference USA, or uh, or in uh, an SEC team, right? The uh, Conference USA champ would have gone to the Liberty Bowl to play an SEC team. So, you know, play the bowl games. Let the bowl games sort things out. And then you pick the four teams. That is yeah. how you fix this thing. Yeah, I mean, I, li- I like the idea of keeping the, the playoffs separate from the bowl games. And like you said, that would make the bowl games relevant again. Because they haven't been relevant for the past no. three and- years. Imagine that scenario where you could have five or six, seven, eight, maybe even eight bowl games that would impact the national championship picture. Yeah, that'd be great. And, and you know, and they also they do a lot of talk about talking about expanding the playoff, right? I don't know how much that's going to help things. Don't you expand know, it. Move it. That's how you fix it. You don't expand yeah. it. You move it. Exactly. I like that uh, idea. And, and you can hold the national championship game a week before the Super Bowl when the, outside of the Pro Bowl, there's no football that weekend. Yeah. I just fixed I like football, guys. Yeah, yeah, you just fixed it. You just fixed the whole whole problem. Ron. I've been beating this drum for ten years. You got you got really uh really into it right there. So I could tell this was something you were passionate about. I was wondering <laughs> how long you've been thinking about this. Bo, I need to hear your top four, man. Who are the college football playoff updated teams? Uh, I mean, I'm going to roll with Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and Florida right now. I'm loving the way Florida's playing. Okay, um, that's 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 me leaving college your dogs out. Yeah, yeah don't do that to out. me now. I, my, yeah. my dogs might not make it, man. I just but I love to hear your reaction on that. But yeah, I think Florida's playing really well. I like them, and I, I kind of agree with you on. I don't think it's fair necessarily. Like I, I like you know Ron's right, but you know you should win your conference if you were going to play in the college football playoff for a national championship. Um, but I just don't think the committee thinks that way. I think they're just it's the SEC bias. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it, in my opinion, a lot of it is ratings driven, and and you're going to get better ratings if you're going to throw in a second SEC team. Yeah, I I agree, man. Uh, Ron, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's been a lot of fun. I love hearing you're you're very passionate with a lot of the uh, a lot of <laughs> stuff you say. So it's so it's a lot of fun because I'm I'm a lot of the same way. I get really into stuff and I go on rants. So I love love hearing another person that does the same thing I do. Bo says I can be bad about my rants sometimes. So. <laughs> my wife is sick and tired of hearing me rant about the college football playoff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could come on here and do it anytime, Ron. Please yeah. come on the show we have, anytime. We have plenty of airtime for that. I, I would love for you to come on here all the time and just talk about the college football playoff. Um, guys, please go give Mr. Ron Clement some love on Twitter at Ron underscore Clement. Just ignore that tweet from a couple weeks ago when I said UCF was the best football program in the state of Florida. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and I- ignore that tweet. Yeah, because the Gators look like they didn't like that tweet too much, man. <laughs> um, guys, as always, go follow Blitzalytics on Twitter at Blitzalytics and go visit Blitzalytics.com. Go follow me on Twitter, Twitter at ScoutingLLC and follow TSR on Instagram at Scouting underscore LLC. Bo, let them know where to find you, man. 
Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at capital T-S-R, lowercase B-E-A-U. It's at T-S-R Bow. And you can find me on stillcurtain.com doing some contributing writing. Uh, tomorrow I'll have the Power Rankings Reflection article come out uh, that I'm doing every week. As always, guys, go subscribe, go give a review, and go T-S-R. Peace out, everybody. Thank you.